Hey everybody, it's Kirk, and I have one quick admin note for you before we play this episode for you. It is that we had to chop this episode into two different parts because Josh and I got a little bit sucked in talking about the players' performances this season, what they might do next season, uh, whether that's with the club or if they're going to get a move. And we will, we gave you tonight the forwards and midfielders. Tomorrow you can expect another episode with the defenders, the goalkeepers, and the expansion draft. So stay tuned for that one. But for now, enjoy our postseason wrap-up part one. Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, back again after his absence, is Josh Cacho. Josh, what's going on, man? You know, it's it's one of those things where I'm trying to find myself or trying to f- figure out what to do with myself now that uh, LAFC's been knocked out of the playoffs. And, you know, obviously this time was bound to come at some point, but obviously I wish it would have happened later rather than sooner. Yeah, it it is really weird to be. I mean, there's still one game left in the MLS season, um, and it is weird to not be talking about LAFC being it. I think everybody just kind of assumed that it would happen, and uh, obviously got surprised by Seattle there at home. And it is kind of crappy to not <laughs> to not be talking about you know prepping for the final. But uh, here we are, starting our off season programming. Um, I will say that if any of you have ideas for episodes that you want to hear or requests or questions or anything, or you want to come on the show, uh, reach out to us and let us know. We'll see, we'll see how we can work all that in. As of right now, I think we have a handful of fan interviews that we want to do. Just let people tell their story, a couple of uh, superlative episodes, maybe some pop culture ones. Um, but other than that, it's kind of a blank slate for the next few months until CONCACAF, uh, Champions League rolls around. Josh, did I miss any episodes there that we've discussed doing? No, but I think, you know, obviously as we kind of transition things into the next, the next phase, we're, you know, exploring a couple of new things and kind of excited to see where it goes. And so we'd love as much feedback as we can get, you know, in terms of Mm -hmm. where people would like to see it go or what what kind of content they'd like to see that isn't currently being provided, you know, by the pod family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good point. If there's something else that you feel is missing uh, in your regular LAFC programming, let us know and we'll try and uh, fill that void in your life. Uh, the plan for tonight for everybody is to go through the roster, kind of talk about individual performances and uh, we were thinking about rating them, and we kind of decided against it to to stay away from being shoehorned into one single format when talking about the players, and then to also follow all that talk up with uh, expansion draft talk, which should be taking place. I think it is it on November twelfth. Do I have that yeah, date right? Yeah, it's actually Josh? coming up pretty soon, I believe. So it's just a few days after MLS Cup, then. Hmm. And I mean, I think they get the, they kind of get things rolling pretty quickly just because of the short turnaround between 
I mean, I, I think more for the expansion team's sake, just because of how much they have to get done before the season starts. Yeah, yeah. And obviously major implications for a handful of teams, uh, especially those that are going to be playing in CONCACAF Champions League um, that could end up with gaping holes in their roster that can't really be filled until January. So given how long it takes people to to break into the LFC squad, I think it could be, uh, depending on who's protected, it could be pretty interesting going into those um, to those matches in, in CCL. But we'll save that for later in the episode. Josh, should we start talking with forwards? Let's do it. All right. Well, there's a really only one place to start, and that's with Carlos Vela. Uh, I'm not really sure what's left to be said, but Josh, take it away, man. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, I think by the, by the numbers, this is the greatest season in the history of Major League Soccer. Um, you know, and it's a season that any any football player, you know, I don't really care what league you're in, would kill for. You know, um, you know, just from the consistency that he had, you know, obviously, and probably could have done more had it not been for the injury he sustained um, during the second El Trafico. But you know, just across the board, it's one of those things where I'm not sure you could have asked for more, and I don't think we were actually really expecting to get what we did from him given you know given how things had gone in the previous season and so on and so forth and so you know when you head into this year when you look at his numbers what is it 34 goals 15 assists um you know and and really just taking you know taking up that mantle um you know and really taking that you know the the responsibility of being the team captain seriously and you know, and, and really pushing the team, you know, to another level that, you know, I think that was probably beyond what any of us expected. Um, again, that's what you expect to get. For, you know, it's what I think he set a standard for what teams, you know, would expect from their designated players. I don't think they're, you know, I'm not even sure we're going to get that going for, you know, like I'm sure he's going to sure try his, his hardest to get to that, you know, to continue to repeat on this one. But again, it was a season for the ages one, again, that I don't, think will be replicated even by even by him and his own high standards so we'll kind of see obviously we'll we'll have to see what the team does going forward to continue to disport to support him and what they can kind of do moving forward yeah i'm not really sure what else is supposed to be said to be honest guy had i would say inarguably the best season in mls history uh broke all sorts of records, looked good doing it. Um, and yeah, that, there's, there's nothing else to say about his performances. Um, there's been some talk about him possibly moving elsewhere. I think that's all unfounded. I think it's all pure conjecture given what he said, um, multiple times about, about, how happy he is with LAFC living in Los Angeles. Uh, I think he was pretty explicit about it on Benny Failhaber's podcast about this is where he wants to be for a long time. It's where he wants to retire and, and live. So I don't think, I don't think you'll see him going anywhere. Um, I know there's, you keep seeing the rumors about Barcelona pop up again and again. Um, 
to me, it, as far as I understand it, it's always it's the it goes back to the same rumor from last year about him going there on like a three or four month loan before the MLS season. And I think with with CCL that'd be completely off the table. Um, well, and and year. I think if you, I mean, a part of it, part of that, what Barcelona needed at the time, well, again, was a second striker given given the way that their roster was constructed and some of the injuries that they had sustained throughout the year. This year's a little bit different story. And if that's the one team that he'd be willing to go for as presently constructed and considering how much they spent on Antoine Griezmann and Usman Dembele, again, mm-hmm. it, it's a bit unrealistic to think that they're going to, that they would spend that money, you know, in that, spend money in that way to bring a guy like Carlos Vela in, you know, get when, given the options that they have. And so, and Barcelona's issues this year go far beyond, you know, far beyond, you know, bringing in another striker to come off the bench, you know, to spell Suarez or, or Messi. And so, right, you know, obviously, right. uh, you, you, you would love to see him actualize a dream that he's probably had playing for Barcelona and so on and so forth, you know. But at the same time, you know, I, I think from, you know, from everything that I've heard and read. You know, from both him and from some of the quotes, different quotes he's had over the last year. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure he's going to, you know, find the same level of contentness and happiness anywhere else that he has so thus yeah. far in Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's. I, I like what you said about his level of happiness. I mean, he's happy enough at LAFC to the point that he basically ended his own international career. Now, granted, things can change, and Tata Martino can go back on what he said and and end up calling him in, Um, or you know, Tata Martino goes away in a few years and Carlos Vela still got it, and he gets called in after Tata leaves. So who knows? But as of right now, he's he's out of the program with, with El Tree. So... Um, I really don't see him sabotaging his international career um, just to go back on it and say, oh, well, you know what? I'm actually not that happy here. I need a move to Chivas or uh, wherever. I, I don't know. I just don't. I think it's extremely, extremely unlikely that he gets moved ever, really. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's going to have to take an unbelievable offer or, you know, again, him having a change of heart, which to, at this point, like I said, seems more or less, you know, unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Josh, let's move on. Diego Rossi. He had a total of 17 goals. If you include the playoffs, uh, a bit of a breakout season. I mean, he played really well last season, but to score 17 goals, um, this year is a is a big step up nearly well at least seemed to have a a transfer almost completed this summer to Fiorentina um and all indications seem that he is going to get sold in the winter transfer window um and will not likely be with the team next year Josh what do you think about Diego Rossi's season this year and uh, what might happen to him yeah, I mean, I think another thing to point out is that he, along with Eddie Segura, were the only guys to, I think, appear in every single game this year. Because um, mm. even in the, yeah, even in the, in a game he didn't start, which was at, 
the one after the U.S. Open game in Houston, he ended up making a second-half appearance in that game and really changing the tenor and tone of how that one played out. Um, but, again, there's times where he was a bit up and down, you know, and I think there was there's times where I think even even I think I think he even he would be willing to admit he left um you know he left some things in a in a way that he probably would like to have back in terms of some of his finishing and some of those things you know but again it's a guy who's continued to build on you know in a great season um, you know a great initial season you know in the league you know coming into the league at 19 but then again continuing to grow his game and continue to get better as you know kind of an almost like an out and out you know that that inside forward more than anything in terms of the way that he he played and so you know again it's unfortunate that he's likely going to be sold on because you know but that's almost the reality of major league soccer at this point in terms of how the league is structured and how things are likely to be going forward and and so again you know you when you when you consider um, what options you had, you know, coming off the bench and those different things, and you know, I think the question that was asked, and rightfully so, by some of the pundits, was whether a guy like Diego Rossi was a guy that you could trust to be your second best player, you know, in in big moments, you know, and I think the way that he played at times and the way that he played, you know, especially I think in the, I believe it was in the Galaxy game. Um, you know, those are those are ones, but I think he he definitely answered the bell, um, and and looked, you know, and looked like he you know he belonged in the top in the upper echelon of the league in terms of, you know, in terms of talent and, you know, if if he's you know he is the model of for the team in terms of you know buy young, develop them, and sell them on. Um, comparatively to you know comparatively to the rest of the league and so you know i think he, mm-hmm. he'll set the standard for the team in terms of how they scout and how they think move going forward you know rodriguez is you know again evident of you know that transfer strategy and so you know again we you wish him the best of luck should he you know should he actually move on and obviously we still haven't seen anything official come in and until it happens he's still a part of the team and we'll treat him as such but again i think that is what we we do expect at the end of the year. Yeah, I think it'll be really hard to pass on, you know, the I think the number was 14 or 15 million that was rumored to be offered from Fiorentina. I don't know if that's if that deal's still going to be on the table in the winter uh, or if it'll be a better deal or a worse deal. I have no idea, to be honest. Um, I think it'll be a similar deal to a similar location in La Liga or Serie A. Um, and I think, uh, I think the team should move them. I, I think it's the, it's the right thing to do in order to show people, Hey, you can come from South America to MLS, get more exposure and then get sold on and end up in more of a destination league, um, where you're going to continue to perfect and, and hone your craft. So I, I think that would bode well for LAFC, not only because of the money, uh, which it amount to like a 700% return, I guess, on, on your investment. But also uh, when you when you go to recruit more young South American talent and you say, look, we can get you, we can be the springboard that you're looking for. Um, so again, great season from Diego Rossi. I think sometimes 
uh, as you kind of alluded to there, he could disappear at times. Uh, and then he would show up big. And typically when he scored, he got, he got him in bunches and had really impressive games, like you pointed out with the Galaxy, where he had the goal, I think two assists. Uh, and honestly, my favorite moment of the night was him just streaking down the sideline, carrying the ball, as I believe it was Jonah Dos Santos and maybe it was Romney were chasing him just uh, you know, in the most futile manner, trying to steal the ball off him. And he was just toying with them all. Um, that was a great moment for me. And uh, it's been fun to watch him. And I think it'll be fun to continue to watch him wherever he ends up. Um, that brings us to our third DP here, Josh, Brian Rodriguez. What do you think about him? I, I think we're still yet to see the the full you know, the the full realization of his potential. And, you know, obviously, given what happened with Andre Orta earlier, you know, last year and then earlier this year, worst, you know, you can never be sure that that will actually happen. But I think we sh- we saw more than enough flashes, especially in some of the bigger games, that we can be confident that with a full training camp and, you know, with, a, a, you know, a, more time with the team to develop into Bob's system and those types of things, you know, we can expect him to come into his own as a playmaker and creator, you know, for the team coming off that either the left or the right hand side. And so again, mm-hmm. I think it's it's one of those situations with with Rodriguez where again I think we paid a higher price for him. We paid what, I think nine and a half million or ten million for him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of a transfer, so obviously you're you're hoping that he, you know, with with the price tag like that, you're expecting him to be a world beater in terms of, you know, in the long run, you know, or a guy that's going to be sold on for anywhere between twenty and thirty million dollars, kind of like a Miguel Almiron, in terms of his his you know mm-hmm. long term potential. Um, and again, I think the valuation is about is about that. Should he continue to develop? Um, based on what we've seen um, from other teams and so on and so forth. And so, I, you know, I think the flashes the flashes of brilliance are there. His ability to create, you know, are, you know, look like they're going to fit right in with the team. But I think it's just one of those situations where we're going to need to see him have a little bit more time to continue to vet just because coming in the middle of summer is always a tough task in terms of getting completely into the flow of things. Because I think by the time, everything had settled in it was what almost it was august right by the time he had fully been able to to train and everything even after the the transfer deadline had yeah to, transfer window had closed well i mean he came he his his debut came in uh in a game against the galaxy and it's the one where carlos vela comes off injured so rodriguez was going to come in for i don't remember who it was but it was originally not for vela and then Vela gets injured. So literally his first action is filling in for the MVP, which is uh, tough to do and tough to do in a big moment like that uh, against the Galaxy. Um, and I think you you had mentioned about his creativity. He certainly looks uh, more dangerous when he's on the ball than Diego Rossi did, uh, ever did, I think. Um, Rossi was typically one or two moves. He's going to beat you for pace down the line. and. Uh, try and cut it back or he's going to cut in early and shoot on his right foot. Uh, Rodriguez's uh, 
much better on the ball. And we've seen that multiple times in his, uh, where he's got multiple moves that he can beat people with. Uh, his finishing might not be the same as Diego Rossi, even though that sounds kind of crazy because I know that both of us have complained sometimes about Rossi having uh, inaccurate shooting, let's say. Um, but I think his ability to beat defenders one-on-one and then find a good pass is going to bode really well for LAFC next season. So I'm excited to see more from him. Yeah, and I think long-term what it is, I think what it also allows to happen is just a decrease of Vela's work rate because I think, you know, in to a certain degree that that can eventually become problematic in terms of your over reliance on him having to create at all times for you to be successful. So having another creator in there, and I think this is something that we saw glimpses of from either Atuesta or from you know some of the other guys that that def you know was was definitely a thing but now i think with with rodriguez you have that ability to have another creator up top which again should continue to free up vela for more scoring opportunities which you know we would mm-hmm. we i think we, we'd all love to see more of yeah yeah and i think i mean you even saw it in the seattle game where eventually guys start uh passing up good passes in order to find vela instead um, so I think having another attacking threat on the other side will help L- LAFC not only to be uh, less predictable next year, but also, like you said, to to save Carlos's legs and save him some of the trouble of having to be the sole creator on the field. Um, anything else on these three guys before we move on to the rest of the forwards? Well, like I said, I think you know you're so far we've we've seemed to get our money's worth. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think the next biggest name would be Adama Diomande. Yeah, I mean... What do you got about him, Josh? You know, I, mean, um, I think the one thing that we can start with is to say that we're glad that everything seemed to have worked out in terms of, you know, what he was going through from a, you know, from a personal and mental standpoint, having enrolled himself in the um, mental health um, program through the league. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, having come through that, you know, and and respond the way that he did, you know, I think it's important to kind of point those things out and to to see how the team is right around him, um, you know, in the long run, given given what he's done for the team in the short amount of time that he's been been there, you know. So what in total deals been available for about one in, full season, right? Including including having come mm-hmm. in. At the dead at the at the end of the first window last year, um, playing through the summer, being hurt at times, and then being hurt to start this year, and then missing the back end of the season, as well. Um, again, the to kind of touch on some of the things we've talked about him before. I'm I'm not sure there's there's a we've seen his best role yet, or maybe we have seen his best role, but I'm not sure he's he's been playing it with consistency the way that. He, he, I think you may see moving forward, and so I think that that remains to be seen. What what his best use is going to be for this team, you know, in the in the long run, um, because when the team was playing was playing at at its best, Christian Ramirez was a starting center forward, right? In terms of how they move the ball, all those different things, and again, mm-hmm. and, and as much as we were frustrated with some of the things that were happening, 
the team did score more goals. They did look better from a defensive standpoint, you know, all those different things, um, you know, but at the same time, you can't deny the fact that Dio is a proven, you know, has, has been a proven goal scorer and has been able to get in there and, and, you know, and make a difference when the opportunity, you know, has been available. And so I think, you know, in the long run, we'll kind of have to see what it, what it looks like, um, moving forward, you know, and how they decide to use him, you know, because they are paying him quite a bit, um, you know, comparatively to other forwards in the league. Cause I think he's a 10 player. So I think he's, yeah, he's somewhere around there. I think he's up, you know, five and a half, six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So, so again, that would at that just put him just over the Yeah, over the max, right? The limit. So at that mm-hmm. point you're you have to want, you know, like, okay, is are we getting what are you getting your money's value or is that is that amount of money being, you know, one that you would prefer to spend on a you know, on a frontline striker? You know, and I think is a question mm-hmm. that you know, that we need to kind of look at. And so, especially given his injury history. And so that's what I kind of wonder moving into, you know, is, is he, you know, are you willing to pay TAM money? Which again, I guess with the CBA could change into being just regular money um, is what rumors I've heard. Right. Um, and so if that's the case, is it, is it a situation where, you know, you're you're willing to continue to pay that amount for a guy who's best suited to be your super sub, right? In a league mm-hmm. that's salary capped, you know. And so, you know, that that is the question. I think we, you know, you kind of have to look at and say, okay, if you know, if we're talking about a guy who's your fourth or fifth best player, I mean, a a guy that that's in a non-salary cap league, you know, I don't, I mean, it doesn't really matter, right? But in a time where you have to now split up that money to make sure that you get the best bang for your buck, you know, I think the question does need to be asked whether or not that is actually the case. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, uh, the, the thing about this roster right now is he's the only true number nine that you have really, unless you count Zelaya, which I, I don't, and we'll get to him in a, in a few minutes, but, um, he's the only guy that's an actual striker that's on this roster. So I don't know. I don't know how you move on from him unless you have a, you know, multiple signings coming in, because I think as it stands right now, LAFC need to go sign another striker to play starting minutes. And then Dio is your super sub, like you mentioned. Uh, But as you also pointed out, then you then you run into trouble with uh, with salary cap because you've got um, a large portion of your cap money sitting on the bench for large majorities of games. So it does it does put them in a weird spot. And I do think Dio does come with some baggage. Uh, that's I guess that's an unfortunate way to put it, given his his time off for the behavioral health program. But what I mean by that is is his injuries. Uh, I think he had one or two last year, obviously had off season surgery, then has another one this year. So he's just, you know, he's inconsistent from a, from an availability standpoint. So I, I don't, I don't know how much you can count on him, but at this point you don't really have any other options on the roster. 
Um, yeah, and it's not to say so he hasn't been be effective. See what the team does, right? And like he, he's definitely been. No, I mean typically when it comes on, you know, thirty minutes seems to be the sweet spot. He can come in and run and and be effective. You're right. You know, again, it's just a matter of, again, I think that I think this question will almost be better answered once we know what happens with the CBA, right? Because if this if yeah, if the CBA yeah, right. blows up, you know, thus far the team hasn't been unwilling to spend money. Right, comparatively to I think what what the fifth or sixth, mm-hmm. fourth or fifth highest spending team, right in the league. Yes. So at you know like I don't think that'll end up being a problem. Should you know should the salary cap raise to an appropriate level? The question is, as you build the team and still are considering the salary cap, could it be better spent? You know, again, especially if things like Tam and Gam right. go away, where you're not where you're spending outside of the cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I really don't know what the answer is there. I mean, that's what you pay Will Koontz for. Then you have to sign somebody else. I said that's that? what you pay guys like Will Koontz and Thorington for, you know, to figure out how yeah. those how yeah. those cap machinations make sense. You know, like every team right. in right. you know in every other major professional sport in the United States is going to have a guy specifically devoted to how understanding the cap and how to, you know, work your way around it. You know, apparently we need to probably steal mm-hmm. away whoever the Galaxy have because they seem to be able to avoid dealing with that better than any other team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to their credit, they are the ones that push the league on all these rules. I really thought this year might be the year that we see a DP change because I thought they were going to force their way into four DPs with the whole Giovanni Dos Santos debacle at the beginning of the season. Um. And to the point now where they essentially have 40 P's on their roster right now anyway. So um, they are always willing to play chicken with the league and see if they can get them to crumble. So, yeah, I mean, and I so far, they start doing that too. You know, and I, I'll give them, you know, credit goes where credit due. I mean, we may be fresher with that at times, but at the end of the day, you know, like if it, it's one of those things where, you know, because they, they've, kind of done what they've needed to and then ask questions later you know it's hard it's hard to yeah, fault them because yeah. again it has pushed it pushed the league and has paved the way paved the way for a league that's often been unwilling to change and given some of the things we've seen mm-hmm. the league do in other situations you know if it, if if there is one thing that the galaxy are valuable for that apparently is it yeah i, I don't disagree at all and to be honest i'm thankful that they do it uh, because like you said, it pushes the league in the right direction most of the time. Um, so kudos to them. All right. That brings us to the not brothers Perez, Josh and Adrian Perez. I'm lumping them together because I assume most of our analysis on them is going to be very similar. What do you got for them, Josh? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those situations where, you know, they played their role. They did what's everything that's asked of them and and didn't complain about it, right? So it's not like you heard them grumbling about how they weren't playing and how Vela was getting all, all the shine, you know, like they did exactly what, you know, was asked of them. And so, you know, I think it's one of those situations where for guys who are going to, you know, to have two guys who you know are never going to cheat you of effort and you're not really paying them a whole lot, mm-hmm. it's hard to ask for more. Right in terms of having in terms of squad players, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally, these guys aren't uh, seeing the field except to see out matches in the last 75, or, you know, in the after the 75th minute because you just want to bring Vela off because you're already blowing a team out. Um, I think Josh Perez does have some promise as kind of a blue-collar player in MLS and with with LAFC. I don't know if you see Adrian Perez back next year because I don't think he gives you a whole lot other than, like you said, effort. Um, but I mean, given the fact that we're not paying them a whole lot, the, who knows Who knows if he'll be back or not. But um, I was happy to see Josh Perez get his goal after so many fluky misses and uh, and just kind of missteps that he had. It was good to see him finally get the one um, and kind of get that, get those demons away from him. Um, The last forward we have here, Josh is Fito Zelaya. And I'm not, I'm not sure what you can say about this other than uh, maybe he was just unfit. Maybe it was actually a cynical marketing, uh, ploy maybe he is an absolute worldie and is going to save everybody next year I, I really don't know what to think of him at all yeah i mean i think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle of all of those things right i think they hope that they could get something from him he's a guy that you know he's proven it at the international level you know has been a good player for el salvador mm-hmm. has scored some big goals you know for them um you know, and and given the excitement that was around him, there definitely was an opportunity to market him to a big portion of your, you know, the city's population. <coughs> you know, but at the same time, his, you know, his fitness never really lended him to be able to really show what he could do, and whether or not that'll change, mm-hmm. we'll see. You know, again, the having another year of training camp and you know a full training camp and those different things, and. Granted, you're going to be going down into hostile territory, you know, and, you know, for a guy that's probably played in front of those types of crowds before and, you know, and is used to it, maybe that's where he shines is in CCL, right? You know, you know it's probably wishful yeah. thinking, yeah. but, you know, I will say like of, of all the, you know, if you're going to say we're going to go down to hostile, a hostile territory in Mexico or in, you know, in um, Costa Rica or one of these different places, you know, I'm, I'm not sure there's too many guys on the team outside of Fito that, you know, that have experienced that and are probably okay with it, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's about mm-hmm. as much as I can give him just because we didn't really see him do much, much else beyond that. Yeah. I mean, you see, I mean, he gets a goal, it's uh it's a very gracious assist from Carlos Vela uh who could have had his you know goal number 35 and well I mean at the time it wasn't goal number 35 but it would have put him at 50 total goals um but he gifts it away to to Fito Zelaya there I think I can't remember what game that was that he gave it to him in um and then you know he spends a significant more amount of time with uh, with Las Vegas Lights. I don't think he scored for them either, so I I I don't I'm not super high on him. I don't think he's going to really give you anything. Uh, maybe he gets his fitness up and he can give you, you know, 
15, 20 minutes off the bench, but then we're still kind of talking about the same thing that we're uh, mentioning for Dio. And maybe, maybe Zelaya is the answer because he's so much cheaper to have on the roster than Dio. Um, but he's certainly going to give you a lot less than Dio. So I, I would, I don't think you're ever going to bring in Zelaya to, to, to chase a result uh, or to, to pry back a few goals from a, from an opposing team. So uh, I personally don't think he's going to be with the team next year, but who knows? All right. You ready to go to the midfield? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start at the top with Latif Blessing, who still on MLSsoccer.com is listed as a forward, but we all know that's not true. He came in in the first game of the season as a winger, decided to play uh, in a sort of number 10 role and then had a stranglehold on that position the entire season because he played it so well from a defensive uh, and, and a pressing standpoint. What do you have for Latif Blessing, Josh? I mean, I think he was the surprise of the year, right? I mean, out, mm-hmm. outside of Bella going on a otherworldly scoring binge and those types of things, I'm not sure there's any player that surprised the fans more than the progression of Latif Blessing. Maybe Mark Anthony K is a shot, but I think we we saw flashes of his, you know, flashes of what he could do last year, you know, and there was a reason why he was start, you know, K was starting last year as well. So when it comes to Latif, I'm not sure anyone anyone was expecting him to come into this role as that, you know, anti ten inverted destroyer and really just lead the team in terms of, you know, from a defensive standpoint, right? For a guy that had been, mm-hmm. you know, known as been, you know, for a guy who has been known as more or less just a pacey winger to come in and become a guy that is probably the most irreplaceable, you know, talent outside of Carlos Vela, right? So outside of Carlos Vela on this team, I'm not sure there's anyone that, that can do the same things that Latif does on a day in day out basis, right? Says a lot about the work that he's put in and, and what the coaching staff has, you know, been able to, you know, current, you know, help what, what the coaching has been able to turn him into, you know, obviously there's continue. There's mm-hmm. a few things that you want to continue to see for him from him in that position going forward. You know, it's that final ball. It's that you know sometimes it's his, his realization of positioning and and understanding the having better positional and you know and situational awareness. You know, but those are things that I think that with another you know with a full off season in those positions, you you see you continue to see those things improve. You know, as opposed to, you know, like I said, what we're what you saw now, where it was a is a position change in the middle of the season, and yet was still, you know, putting together a season that, you know, that had every pundit singing his praises. Right, right. Um, it will be interesting to see what he adds in the off season. Last last year, I appraised him basically as like you said, a pacey winger who is good enough on the ball to hold up play from that position. So you can put him on the right wing, you can give him an early ball and then pivot your offense off of him. Um, but aside from that, not much, he's not going to be the greatest passer. He's not going to be worth a whole lot defensively. Um, and that's, I mean, that's exactly where he showed up this year. Um, 
for a long time, he was leading the league in tackles. I don't think he finished atop that list, but uh, he certainly towards the top. He won a ton of fouls in the attacking third for us. Um, and is, uh, according to, to most everybody, the heartbeat of the team. He shows up big in a couple of really big games, especially that second El Trafico this year where he gets his brace. Um, and like you said, I think if he finish, if he works on that final ball and seeing the field uh, as much as a, an attacking midfielder as he does currently as a defensive midfielder, then people better watch out because all of a sudden they're going to have LAFC is going to have a very capable attacker on their hands and somebody that can really create on not only both wings, but also underneath the striker. So uh, happy to see him get his extension. He will undoubtedly be with the team next year. And again, we'll get into the expansion draft here soon, but um, we'll be happy to see him back. Um, that brings us back to Mark Anthony K. Josh, what's your assessment on him? I mean, I think he's a, you know he's a guy who was a first-time All-Star this year, and had through the first half of the season had seemingly added the most to his game out of any player on the team, right? In terms of what what we had gotten from him previously, you know, and again what his what I think people had rated him as even even before we picked him up last year. Um, you know, I'm not sure there's a player. There's very, you know, there's very few few players in the league that have improved as much as he has over the course of time. When you when you kind of look at things, I think there's there's an issue in terms of, you know, <clears throat> in terms of the consistency and how you know how long he was able to do it because I definitely definitely thought he faded in the last, you know probably after a gold cup, you know, like K mm-hmm. didn't really seem mm-hmm. like he was quite the same, um, you know, him and him, he Walker Zimmerman and Tyler Miller were three guys that I never truly seemed to recover from international play for whatever reason. And so, yeah. um, but he's a guy that I think in his role in that box to box role, there's very few guys with the stature and size that he has that, you know, that have that opportunity to pass. The question now is, can he continue to do it and then sustain it at a high level, you know, over the course of the whole season, you know, because I think, like I said, we definitely saw a drop off in his form about halfway through the year, you know, and again, it's hard to tell what actually was the cause of that, but I think it's something that they're going to have to address in terms of, or not, you know, like in the off season in terms of how he prepares and how, what kind of things he looks at in terms of how, and what what that what his next transition and what his next progression as a player is moving forward you know again part of that is maybe the injury right like because i think by the time he had fully mm-hmm. recovered and i mean i know he played he didn't start the first game i believe right like i no he i don't think he did i think it was lee win that started yeah it was like maybe two you know a couple games into the season when was when k really you know, look like he was back into action and, and playing at a hundred percent. And so, you know, you wonder how much he was able to train in the off season, given he was recovering from ankle surgery and so on and so forth. And so that will be to me, the most interesting thing is once he's allowed given, you know, once he's given the time for his hamstring to fully recover, um, 
you know, I hope he skips actually international duty this next time. You know, I mean, he'll probably end up playing given he was able to make it back for the LFC match. But, um, you know, a guy, a guy that with a full off season, you know, I think this will be his, his first full off season to continue to improve since before he joined the team. And so we'll kind of see what that looks like and what he's able to bring out. But I think it'll be interesting for him to see, to actually have that opportunity to add more to his game as opposed to just try to get back to his original form, which I think he spent most of the time doing this past off season. Yeah. I feel like the one area that he started to struggle more and more in um, was kind of, I mean, similar to Latif blessing that, that kind of final ball, um, obviously he's in a more deep lying role than, than Latif normally is, but um, never really doubted his ability to, uh, to press, to win balls, to intercept passes, always look good doing that stuff to shuttle the ball back and forth a little bit. Sometimes I feel like he takes an extra touch or two. Um, and that allows opposing defenses to recover just enough to, to thwart an attack. Um, so, I mean, really for me, similar things from that, you know, we said about Latif, if he gets that final ball back, I think you saw it in multiple times earlier in the season and even last season where he's breaking so many lines with his passing. Um, would like to see that sharpen up a little bit in the off season, but uh, I mean, he's part of the best midfield in, in MLS this year. Uh, and he was a, I think he's a he's a big reason that things started to kind of fall fall off at the end there. I think you kind of saw Lee Wynn get exposed more and more defensively, um, especially as you know he played more and more minutes there at the end of the season. So it'll be good to have him back and healthy again, and uh, like you said, with a full off season. This brings us, Josh, to who I think is uh, probably the second most important player on the team. Um, and very likely the best midfielder this year in MLS, despite not having Maxi Morales number, uh, level of assists is Edward Atuesta. What do you want to say about Eddie? I mean, he's another guy that we're probably going to have to say goodbye to this summer, given the progression he's made. I really wondered Mm -hmm. what his, his long-term sale potential would be just given the amount of you know there there are just a lot of center midfielders in the world, right? That can that can do good things, but you just saw an ability to control control the game from you know from that deep lying playmaker position, you know in 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 the mold of a Chabi Alonso or that type of thing where they're you know just spraying passes all over the place, can get forward, can sit back, can kind of do it all. Um, you know, he's a guy that we didn't that we found, uh, you know out of nowhere earned a starting spot you know and then again is probably a best what he, he was best 11 right or no yes he was he was right yeah, yeah. and so and guy that ended up being you know mls best 11 um you know he he is probably the prime example of of progression um and and what it can look like for a young player coming from south america or central america to make it to that next level. And so again, unfortunately we're probably going to have to say goodbye this summer, given how well he played. Um, and a guy that I'm not sure how you replace heading into next year, given, given what he's able to do. 
you know, I think part of me wonders if K now takes up that role as a deep lying playmaker in the long run. Um, because he, he may be better and suited in that role than he is at the set, um, as an eight kind of going box to box just because of some mm-hmm. of his, mm-hmm. you know, K sometimes again is a little bit sloppy in terms of how he drives the box, the ball into some of this, some of those areas. But if he's allowed to kind of sit back, um, that may be a better suited position for him. But again, it's, he's a guy that in terms of his passing was just unrivaled. And, you know, like in the very few guys in the league that could do what he did in terms of breaking lines and finding positions. And you really start to see that relationship between him and Carlos Vela, you know, blossom this past year. Um, in terms of him, him being the primary setup man, um, you know, for for a lot of Carlos's goals, and so again, it's a, it'll be un, it's it's the reality of a of a selling league and ultimately a selling team. In is in terms, you know, is how the team is poised and positioned moving forward. But at the same time, it it will likely be a you know a testimony that they they continue to to shine light upon when they're negotiating with that next guy, you know, that hopefully will, you know, develop in the way that Atuesta did in the time that he was here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think an important thing to point out as well is Atuesta wasn't a key piece last season. He came on a couple of, you know, he played plenty, but he wasn't as important as he was this year. So it kind of shows that if you stick in the system, and you give it a year or two, you're going to get minutes and you're going to get so much better um, to the point that you do get noticed. Um, His ability to find the foot of Carlos Vela through so many different defenses this year was uh, nothing short of remarkable. His, um, His ability to stay calm on the ball and do the little uh, Busquets-esque turns out of out of pressure was always so much fun for me to watch. Uh, I will miss him when he inevitably moves. Hopefully it's not too soon. I think for a CCL run, you need somebody like him, despite his soft challenge on Raul Rui Diaz in the conference finals. Um, you need somebody that can hold up play. You need somebody that can, that can jumpstart and attack in a different manner. Uh, and you need somebody that is just, you know, a solid presence in your midfield and losing him this winter, especially would be a, a giant blow to the club. I think in terms of uh, trying to reset yourself for another run here, not only in CCL, but in MLS. So uh, I guess next we should go to Lee Wynn. Josh, take it away. Yeah. I mean, as an official member of the Lee Wynn fan club, you know, I'll preface this by saying that, you know, he's, He's been a guy. The Lehigh, that, yes. Yeah, he's been a guy that, you know, we've we've often lifted up on this podcast, and you know, just because he, you know, he's been a consummate professional in the way that he goes about his game, um, I, th- I think that, you know, he he still has a place and still has you know quite a bit of skill, and you saw it at times, you know, whether it was nutmegging the, um, who was it that he he he. That when he came in on the wing, I don't remember. I think it was maybe against Dallas. I think it was for. I think it was Atlanta because I remember being. There at you that go. Match. Yeah, that's right. It was. I think it was on LGP, right where he he he. You know, yes. Yes. Wrecked him on the outside there, 
and so you have those different things but you know over the course of a 90 minute game you could start to see where his age was starting to wear down on him in terms of his ability to continue to press you know as hard as LAFC have have wanted to throughout the year and so you know in in we'll see what they decide to do with him because they are, you know, he's another guy that they're paying quite a bit um, to come off the bench and, and be an effective playmaker and score. But then there's games where he's not actually, he's not playing as well. Right. And so you have to kind of decide Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. you, again, what the team, you know, he's a, he's a great guy to have off the bench and, and, and make those different changes, but given, you know, what it would probably take to keep at Tuesta at the team for, you know, an extra six months until the, until next summer, maybe, you know, or, um, you know, or what you probably need to continue, you know, pay some of the other guys. Again, the question now comes up as to, you know, can you, can you also afford to keep a guy like Lee Wynn on the wages that he's, that he is making, um, again, to not be a consistent starter and, you know, and, and even really a player that's going to play the majority of your games, you know, heading into next year, given how invaluable most of the midfielders have been. Yeah. Lee Wynn is the example of uh, the limitations of, of MLS rosters to me, because he's the type of guy that you need in order to compete against, uh, you know, uh, uh, Cruz Azul or, or Chivas or any other Liga MX game, uh, team because their rosters are so deep uh especially when compared to you know spots 12 to 15 on an mls roster um they you know league mx teams typically have very very good players that are coming off the bench and to me the idea of having both dio and lee win being able to come off the bench is something unique in mls um, but like you said, I don't know if they'll be able to afford it. And I mean, regrettably, you do see Lee Wynn start to fall off a bit after 90 minutes, or if he plays a back-to-back where it's 90 minutes and you see him unable to keep up with, with opposition attackers. But what he gives you in the midfield in terms of uh, a calm presence, somebody who can be on the ball, somebody who can pick out the right pass every time uh, is really what you need if you're trying to see out a game or if you're uh, even trying to chase a goal and need a little bit more oomph in your in your midfield. So, uh, man, I, I really hope we can keep him a little bit longer so we can make a CCL run. But uh, as you said, it's a it's a pricey contract, so no promises there. A um, couple more midfielders here, Josh. Uh, maybe we can check off a few because they didn't really factor in at all. Alejandro Guido. Uh, I'm not really sure what to say about Alejandro here. I mean, he was gone for basically the entire season with this injury. Uh, I think he may have played one game uh, or got, you know, appeared in one game. I mean, Um, but I I couldn't tell you anything about the kid other than uh, quad strain. So, I don't really know that there's anything else to say, Josh. Yeah, I mean, I think the surprising thing in regards to him was what we had heard, you know, from, you know, maybe it's just what, you know, people from the team have to say, uh, but it seemed like they had had 
you know, specific plan for him and for him to play a role. But again, we never really got to see what what that was or what that meant. And, you know, again, I'm not sure they're going to be willing to run that back with him next year either. So, you know, we'll yeah. see what's we'll see what ends up happening in the long run. Yep. So I have no idea if he's a six, eight or 10. I guess we'll see if he sticks with us and which of those positions he ends up with. He ends up playing uh, in a somewhat similar position uh, regarding injuries. We have Javi Perez, who played a handful of games in the preseason and had a couple of appearances and then tore his ACL in practice. Uh, I honestly don't remember watching him all that much. So a similar situation, I have no idea if he's going to be with the team, and I'm not really sure what he what he brings specifically. Anything on him, Josh? Um, from what I had seen, you know, when he did come in and in, in brief instances earlier in the year, was a guy that, you know, was going to be defense. You know, he was a true six, a guy, you know, and more of a ball-winning six than anything else. Mm, um, and could okay. provide some, you know, some substitution minutes um, in that position there, especially towards the end of games, to really just kill a game off. And so, you know, from, you know, it seemed like the team was pretty high on him, given, you know, even though he was a later round pick, um, you know, he had made the team and was continuing to work and you know his has ha, you know he actually has you know you know the pedigree you know like a pretty good pedigree in terms of coming from through i think it was from valencia and then like through the david via academy whole thing you know mm-hmm. to to make it to um college over at i think it was wake forest that he played at i think this so past yeah in college and and so again, he was a guy that you know seemed like he could potentially contribute to the team, um, you know, in that role. And you know, should he be, you know, had he been able to stay healthy, but given I think this is his second time he's done this knee, um, from things some things that I had heard, it's really going to be about another, you know, year or so before we can really determine, you know, what what he's going to bring, be able to bring it full strength if at ever at this point. So, you know, it's unfortunate that injuries have taken its toll, but we'll kind of have to wait and see, you know, what, what happens with, you know, with him, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a position yeah. that we definitely could use some depth at because we didn't, you know, I think Kay played some, some, you know, some minutes at the six, but we really didn't have a, anyone who can come in in that defensive midfielder role and really just, you know, help close up shop and do some of those things either. Yeah, I mean, you would think Latif Blessing is is a guy that could move back into a traditional destroying midfielder role, but uh, when he has been back there, it hasn't. He doesn't have that same um, that same sort of impact that he does when he's when he's up top. So, yeah, I mean, I think for it that it's, nice it's almost like he doesn't have enough room, you know, because sometimes Latif can take those chances in terms of making making tackles up the field. And if he misses, mm-hmm. he can still recover and have space to do it from the in, you know further down the field. Whereas if he yeah, does that, in, you know, does that in front of the box, he's putting his defenders in a world of trouble. And so mm-hmm. you know maybe you're just, it's a matter of you know again him you know I think that with Latif, I think we talked about it earlier needing to develop a little bit more situational awareness you know in terms of what he needs to add to his game. But you know I think that's yeah. something that he'll need to look at moving forward. All right, last last midfielder is Peter Lee Vassell, uh, draft pick from this year. 
Jamaican international who's been getting quite a few call-ups with the reggae boys, um, but has spent a lot of time with Phoenix Rising this year. Josh, what are your thoughts here? You know, I think they gave him plenty of opportunities to come in and and take and be basically like the the up and coming Lee Win in, in in that kind of attacking mm-hmm. ten role. But I think Latif ended any any hopes of him breaking into the starting lineup with his defensive yeah. performance from that same side. And so, you know, <clears throat> like like the conversation we had about Lee in terms of you know, what he could bring to the table and, it, you know, but the question being whether or not it was going to be feasible at, at his, at his salary. I think that, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to Vassal, could you potentially long-term get some of that same performance at a, you know, at, at a discounted rate and finding those value picks, I think is where, you know, the, is where you really, you know, is, is where teams are, are made and how, you know, and is, is really what is the root of LAFC success in this past year was finding some of those, those bargain pieces and, you know, and, and then developing in, into players that you can continue to sell on for, you know, mm-hmm. five to 10 times as much as you originally paid for. And so, you know, again, he's still a project. He's a guy that has, you know, has, has some skill, but, you know, again, we'll see what it looks like and what he develops into with another training camp under his belt. Yeah, right. All right. Well, Josh, that brings us past the hour mark. So I know that we had talked about uh, kind of chopping this into two parts. I'm sorry to everybody that we didn't get through it all if we got sucked in on a few of these conversations. So we're going to come back tomorrow with our breakdown of the defenders, the goalkeepers, and then the expansion draft protections. Um, but for tonight, I think it's, I think it's honestly time for me to go to sleep so I can wake up and go to surgery tomorrow morning. So, uh, that's, uh, that's all we got for tonight. Please. If you have any other questions on these players or, uh, other players or, you know, MLS roster rules, send them our way at counterpress underscore. And, uh, and we'll be sure to answer them when we get back to the show tomorrow. Josh, any parting shots here or anything you want to get to real fast? No, I'm just CCL couldn't come soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I am excited to see him back in action. Uh, I told my wife that we will likely be going to a match. So to clear her schedule for those, for those months, because I'm excited to get down to central America and watch the, watch our boys play again. So, uh, Again, hit us up with any questions you have, and we will see you all tomorrow night. Good night.